Welcome to a supplemental edition to the second episode of Sportsish. This is your host, Chad Shanks, and if you haven't yet listened to the full episode, find episode two, Bobblehead Giveaways Are a Logistical Nightmare, and get the whole story first. But if you've already listened to it and want to hear my full interviews with the subjects from that episode, then you are in the right place. This is my full interview with Brian Holland, the General Manager of Sales with the Potomac Nationals. In researching the most unique bobbleheads I could find, no one really stood out more than this minor league team. I wanted to know who came up with their insane ideas and how they actually pulled them off. And talking to Brian definitely did not disappoint. His mind seems to be moving 100 miles an hour as he recounts what it's like to work in minor league baseball. And hopefully after listening to our conversation, you, like me, will no longer be surprised that this is the type of person who can successfully put a baseball player's head on a turkey's body and give it away at the ballpark. So, without further ado, this is my full interview with Brian Holland. All right, well, Brian, as we uh, get started, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself? You know, how did you get into, you know, make it to the Nationals? Where Where are you from? What was What was your journey that led you to where you are today? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I'm certainly a, a baseball addict like so many people that work in the industry. And I'm from just south of Baltimore, Maryland in a town called Elk Ridge. I grew up a uh, big O's fan and always wanted to work in professional baseball. Had an opportunity back in 2007 um, before I was out of college. I went to school at a little private school in North Carolina, Elon University. Broke in with the Frederick Keys, my buddy Adam Pohl brought me on. My background's in uh, radio and PR, so I had an opportunity uh, to be a part of the broadcast team that year for the Carolina League champions. Uh, went on to work for Cal Ripken, who was a hero of mine growing up, of course, in uh, Charm City, in Aberdeen with Ripken Baseball in 08. Uh, got out of school, not a ton of opportunities. 2009 was not uh, a great year, certainly, to come out, but uh, found an opportunity in summer collegiate ball in uh, the Outer Banks, North Carolina. Was lucky enough to break in to the Washington National System in 2010, had the Bryce Harper experience in 2011, which was uh, pretty amazing with the Hagerstown Suns. That was the Steven Strasburg uh, first rehab start that year as well. Uh, moved on up, if you will, to Woodbridge, Virginia and the Potomac Nationals in 2012, doing some group sales and corporate sales and uh, you know, worked my way back into the radio booth, and then uh, the stars aligned. There was an opportunity in May of 2016 for myself and uh, my colleague Aaron Johnson to take over operating the franchise uh, of Potomac Baseball, which just celebrated its 40th year last season, and uh, and here we are. We're in year three, uh, Aaron and I operating the team, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's been great to be inside the Washington Nationals minor league chain for so many years. I've, I've been privileged to see a lot of great players, and meet a lot of excellent fans and, and certainly do some uh, outside-the-box promotions that uh, I think we're known for at this point. Yes, I know every, people in minor league baseball really have to wear a lot of hats. So what what exactly are your responsibilities now? Well, anytime somebody reaches in and says, you know, can I talk to the marketing director? I say, uh, well, which one you want? Because we're pretty much all in the business of, of sales and marketing. And, you know, Aaron and I have a, a Jordan and Pippin relationship with a lot of trust. He handles the stadium operations. Most importantly, the food and beverage side oversees the merchandise. We also cross paths a lot on baseball operations, stuff that uh, directly impacts the on-field product furnished by the Washington Nationals, you know, our major league of 
affiliate. And, uh, you know, just across the board, uh, sales, whether it be group tickets, season tickets, corporate partnerships, you know, the paradigms on the marketing side, public relations, uh, community relations, that's a term that everybody throws out, you know, wear, wear a lot of hats. And I think until you've gone through at least a 70 game campaign and, and for all those broadcasters out there, 140, at least in a ball, uh, in minor league baseball, you just get exposed to so many different, uh, decisions that impact so many different sides of the business. You know, every time we show up at the ballpark, there's a new challenge. There's something we haven't seen before, even though that's kind of an old uh, baseball idiom, if you will. You know, you're always going to see something new. I, I think that's certainly uh, held true in, in general management of a minor league baseball operation, uh, just like with the players and just like following from a fan's perspective in the seats. So it's really a privilege to work with such a great staff and, you know, be able to, to certainly have control and influence over so many different different uh, aspects of the fan experience of the baseball operations side of, of affiliated minor league baseball. But again, I couldn't do it without an excellent staff and, and certainly a great management staff in uh, Aaron Johnson and our assistant GM, Arthur Bouvier. It's definitely a brain trust, you know, not just us three, but the, the entire executive staff. And uh, we have a heck of a lot of fun uh, putting everything together year in, year out. So are you all getting together to come up with the uh, the ideas for your promotions, for your your giveaways and your theme nights and everything? I mean, how do you how do you guys I, I just I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear you guys pitching the ideas that you ultimately end up going with. So just let me know a little bit how how do you guys actually work to come up with these ideas that you guys have become known for? And it's amazing how many times I get asked that question and, you know, we'll never peel the curtain all the way back. You know, it's kind of like when we go to the promo seminar, I like to be a fly on the wall too and listen, do a little bit more talking, uh, uh, you know, away from the promo seminar once we put things into play. But, you know, everybody says, how do you come up with your ideas? And, and frankly, it's pretty basic. You know, we lock ourselves in a, in a promo tank, if you will, for a couple of days. Um, you know, we banter back and forth. We argue. Uh, there's so many items that end up on the cutting room floor, if you will, but um, we just debate it out over the course of two days, and it's really an aggregate process. You can't just spend uh, a couple hours in those two days or however long it takes, and that's kind of our philosophy. We're not going to leave until you know we have a, a product that not only the fans are going to love, but you know certainly we're in the business to make money. Every every general manager has to to make decisions that uh, are going to positively, you would hope, impact the bottom line. But you know we really try to think like a fan, and, and we've been around long enough and we've been exposed to a lot of great ideas that other clubs uh, have uh, consummated and executed and, and rolled out perfectly and then you know step two aside from just the logistics of actually pulling off a promotion is promoting your promotions you know if people don't know about the great things you're going to do over the course of a 70 game campaign then you may think it's funny and, and you may get a, a great belly laugh and think it was the, the best thing since sliced bread or we're sitting here inventing sunlight but at the end of the day if nobody shows up for it, well, it's a stinker. You know, it has to be something that applies to a pretty wide demo unless it's, uh, you know, piecemealed to be specific on a, on a certain demographic. But we just have a, a heck of a lot of fun putting it together. And, you know, all calendar year long, uh, we're, we're putting notes down in our email or however people organize. I get hammered for the, uh, over usage of post-its. If you've seen the movie Memento, that's kind of like my office. If I get an idea, I'll scratch it down and, you know, Somebody will say, can I throw these away? And the response is no. Uh, there, there could be money on one of these post-its, or we <laughs> hope a lot of them, uh, or opportunity, or, or something.
some type of concept that hasn't been done before. But we take the most pride in the ideas that we didn't rip from another market. And I know that there's so much, uh, I don't know if this is a word, but transferability, you know, to be able to take something that works in uh, the corner, the northwest corner, and we're going to try it in northern Virginia. Uh, or maybe somebody in our league, maybe a Frederick or a Salem or a Lynchburg or a Myrtle Beach is doing something that they're having a lot of success with. So that's kind of the long answer. But um, we, we really enjoy when we do something that's never been done before. I think anybody's promo schedule is going to have shades of, of some items and some elements that have been successful. Um, you know, even throwbacks to your own franchise of stuff maybe you've, you've tried and had success with and you want to take to the next level. And, you know, I don't care what GM says it, it went perfect or it's going to go perfect. It never does. The vision is always, well, what if we could do this? And if we come somewhere close, you know, I really stand by the, the concepts, especially on the bobblehead side and even uh, the way we've infused our celebrity series this year uh, to intertwine. You know, I always call it kind of a, a puzzle to be able to tie group sales to sponsorship, to giveaway, uh, to what the fans are really going to wrap their arms around from a pop culture standpoint. And, you know, there's going to be people that don't like it, and, and I understand, and some people just want to come out and see baseball, but the culture of minor league baseball now, especially for us, because we not only compete with our own parent club, you know, we have a great relationship with them, but we, we are competing when we go head-to-head on game dates. Uh, we're also right outside of Washington, D.C. with other terrific and successful uh, professional sports products. You know, whether the win-loss record is there, uh, they do a good job, you, you know, in our nation's capital of getting fans excited, especially with the resurgence of, uh, of the Wizards and, you know, the capital sustained success. So we have to be outside the box to get the fans in. And, um, you know, trying to stay humble, I think we've done a really good job of that uh, during my tenure, not only as GM of, of sales, but frankly, since I've been with the club, uh, going back to Josh Olerud's tenure, uh, 2011 on, you know, my first year was in 12. But we've done some really fun things, and it, it's tough, you know, uh, up in the ante every year, but that's what we're going to try and do. And I, I think we've put ourselves in a good spot to do that uh, here in 2018. Yeah, but tell me, how important are the promotional nights for not just your team, but just minor league baseball in general? You know, how much do they drive ticket sales and move the needle as far as attendance? And certainly I can't speak to, you know, all these different marketplaces, some with, uh, you know, the state of the art ballparks that, that we're trying to build. You know, I operate out of one of the older, uh, most limited resourced, uh, stadium venues. So for us, the promotions are the hook. They are the catalyst. They are live or die. They are our blood. It's that important, uh, to be able to drive traffic because, you know, at one point, Potomac baseball was the only show in town including uh, a professional baseball product in D.C. There wasn't uh, a product, you know, until the Montreal Expos uh, came down to D.C. in 2005 and, you know, started to build their brand with uh, uh, RFK and then they got their new stadium. And, you know, frankly, for us, it is uh, the most important factor, maybe outside of weather, which, uh, you know, let's not forget the weather. That has a, a very direct, uh, tangible impact on the in-park attendance, no matter what market you're in. But I do think the higher you get, you know, especially AA and, and AAA, uh, there can be more emphasis put on the on-field product. Not that it's de-emphasized by any means at the lower level, but I think there's a little bit less of a need to be as pervasive uh, with promotions and, you know, heck, maybe 
Major League Baseball is, is certainly taking a page out of Minor League Baseball promotional schedules uh, books and their record of success. We're seeing that now uh, because I do think that Major League Baseball, like like any professional sports animal, it's going to change. It's going to try and stay ahead of the curve through the conduit of social media, uh, through garnering new fans from different demographics that they may have not had as much success in the past. You know, we're seeing the Orioles do a, a kids free ticket program this year that I think is uh, is pretty instrumental. Um, you have to be different in order to bring you know new folks in, even year to year. You don't want to roll out the same product, and we're starting to see the minor league baseball lifeblood you know on the promotional schedule seep into the big leagues with the Star Wars nights, which have become very popular. Um, some other outside the box uh, themed identities where you go, hmm, I, I know I've seen that in minor league baseball, and and that's certainly not a coincidence. So I, I think that's. Um, you know, certainly a nod to the success, uh, the GMs and, and terrific front office, uh, staffs have, have put together. And I think you're just going to continue to see, uh, creativity serve as the beacon of, of what makes this, uh, industry so special to work in. And it's certainly a challenge, you know, to up yourself every year. But, uh, I think if you're not doing that, uh, you're behind the curve. Yeah. Well, how did you guys get to the point where, you're like, all right, we're going to be ahead of the curve and we're going to do some of the craziest promotional nights ever. You know, was it was it a an actual decision you guys came to and said, this is the approach we're going to take? Or was it just kind of a gradual thing that, you know, one creative idea just snowballed to the next? You know, how did how'd you guys get to the point to where you seem to really take pride in your promotional schedule? Like the on your website, the headline is you did, you unleashed your promotional schedule, you know, and you have the quote about, you know, if you don't think it's the best, you need to check your pulse. Um, <laughs> so just, you know, how did the, the organization get to the point where they said, you know, that we're going to we're going to take it to the next level? Sure. Well, I think it's it's an adapt or die mentality. And I worked under Josh Olerud, who's a smart guy. He's the COO, I believe, president now is his title with the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders. You know, he started the process. You know, in which we realized how are we going to be different uh, to fade what's going on. You know, at the big league level and with some of these other uh, competitors, not only in professional sports, but we're not too far from Busch Gardens. We're not too far from Kings Dominion. We know the pricing on uh, movie tickets, which continues to rise for some reason uh you know mini golf other other cheap ways of uh of taking a date out or a family out to really have a fun night or day. Um, you know, we, we compete for those dollars in the marketplace and we get our corporate partners, you know, excited about these, these promotional items that we put together, whether it be a theme night or a giveaway and it kind of snowballs from there. Again, we'd be remiss if we didn't, uh, make that transition. And I don't think it was a day that we woke up and said, boy, we better do this or else. I think it was just, you know, you look at the metrics in this business of in park attendance, uh, per caps just like any you know uh, group sales event whether it be a, a concert um, you know some type of other you know organized uh, uh, arts and crafts festival you want to know just to throw that as an example you want to know what you're making off each off each person and and why they're coming to the ballpark what what gets them excited what actually catalyzes hmm I gotta I gotta go out and support my local 
minor league baseball team. And I think the, the old adage, see the stars of tomorrow today still holds true. It's, it's special in the Washington national system because you have the majority of their roster at times at least coming down on rehab, if not uh, being a homegrown product. But no, I think the, the promotions have always been a vehicle for excitement and for the old school PT Barnum nod where you're doing something to, to catch eyes and, and to get people energized to want to come and be a part of your, your game product. And in this case, an affiliated minor league baseball, you know, professional baseball experience. And even though we don't have, you know, a state of the art facility, when you look at, you know, the reasons to come out to the ballpark, even just the daily promotions, you know, Monday through Sunday, uh, we were able to really, uh, get kids out last year with our Sunday Kids Day concept, uh, with a, a free lunch, you know, essentially on the Potomac Nationals and also a free pizza at that time from a local partner. There's so much integration where the tickets, you know, can follow the sponsorship dollars in unison with your, your theme night schedule. Uh, the giveaways obviously used is, you know, something that is a, a great piece of return from an ROI standpoint for a corporate sponsor, but it's also a keepsake for the fan that reminds them that the Potomac Nationals, in this case, you know, the team I oversee, has been around now for 41 years, and they're a hallmark of your community. It's something you can really embrace. And we haven't even talked about the you know philanthropic side. You know, baseball serves as a channel for doing goodwill, and I think your promotional schedule. We've seen the crazy theme jerseys. A lot of those are tied to nonprofit organizations. All of this, this whole engine is a turnkey to build relationships. You know, we're in the relationship building business and we are salespeople and, and we are responsible for marketing the things that come out of our mouth, the, the uh, items that we've put together on a promo schedule, theme night and giveaways. And just, you know, we really do take a lot of pride and I appreciate you pointing that out on delivering the best possible uh, pregame, in-game and post-game experience because I came through, you know, years ago where the adage was you take care of them as soon as they hit the parking attendant to when they get back in their cars and and head out of the parking lot no matter what market you're in that hospitality experience is what we can control whether we can't control so much uh but certainly our promotional product and what we do uh once those folks pull into our parking lot that's when the show is on uh my my owner always says we don't pay for the talent uh but we certainly want to create a great peripheral experience for the players they'd rather play in front of 6000 as opposed to 500 depending on the day of the week those are the challenges but uh but again i think to your, to your original question of, you know, when did we make that transition? You really started to see that um, in 2012 on uh, through our celebrity guests, our giveaways, and our theme nights. And uh, it's made us very successful. You know, we're coming off an award year. We don't shoot for awards, but um, it was great uh, for the league to recognize us. And, you know, we were in the running for a national award. And um, there, there's a lot of great contemporaries, too, uh, in minor league baseball that also do an outstanding job. But, you know, we're, we've been known as the bobblehead guys and gals. And uh, certainly I think that sells us a little bit short, but, um, you know, we certainly try to put together the best possible product out of necessity. Yes, but also because it's just so much fun. And if you're not uh, if you're not getting the most fun out of the the promotional experience, I think you're leaving something on the table, you know, with respect to uh, uh, to whatever your business is in professional sports. Ours just happens to be uh, minor league baseball and garnering new fans. And I think we do a great job at that. Yeah. Um, do you remember some of the examples of your early kind of outside the box uh, ideas for bobbleheads? 
I do. I think the first one that really, you know, started to get people excited was the uh, Roger Bernardina, uh, what we called the Sharkadina. And I remember I was in a, a hotel in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, let's just say it's no longer in usage in the league for for good reason. You know, it looked kind of like the Bates Motel. And I was putting together uh, the press release, trying to be as cheeky as possible with euphemisms that tie to you know the the Jaws type of uh, atmosphere. And it was great. And, you know, although Bernardina obviously, you know, didn't go on to have a Hall of Fame career, although I think he, he delivered a couple times clutch for the Netherlands and the WBC, you know, he was a fan favorite with a cool nickname. Uh, he always, you know, knew how to lay out in the gaps and, and, uh, you know, rob some people. And it, and it was fun to kind of crystallize that in a, in a unique figurine that, you know, people really took notice of and said, well, that's interesting. You know, you take a player and an animal and you put them together. And again, as I said earlier, I know there's people that are going to criticize what we do and say that's too edgy. It's, it's too risk taking. And my response to that would be, yeah, but you know, what's the counter? Uh, you know, doing just a player bobblehead. There's, there's nothing that really is going to energize excitement and thus in park attendance, uh, like something that hasn't been done before. And, and we do take a lot of, uh, you know, pride and, and, uh, we, we spend a lot of time in, in preparing these things. And uh, I think that was kind of the first turnkey where you said, well, that's really outside the box. Um, that's pretty special. And it, it kind of spiraled from there uh, with some of the real hair concepts that we did. Um, Beard Olympics and the Beard of Palooza weekend was was phenomenal. Uh, that got us national press. You know, we've ended up on ESPN. We've been in Sports Illustrated. We've been uh, MLB Network. You know, our Salute to Jorts video was just on Intentional Talk a couple days ago. I mean, that's stuff that uh, it, it doesn't take... Einstein's brain to put together, but sometimes you have to take a risk and say, well, if people clown on us for this or everybody likes to say hate, so if you're hating on us for this, so be it. Change the channel. Don't come out. Uh, but for the people that really get it and, and are entertained by it, whether they think it's funny, ironic, dramatic, uh, melodramatic, you know, whatever you think, we've had people that curse our bobbleheads, but they're still in line waiting, waiting to get one and hoping to get one. And if they don't, they're equally as mad. So I think that, uh, that just shows you there's a, a demand for creativity and uh, we just want to be in supply of that as a means to put together the best possible you know fan experience and thus uh, professional baseball business model you know from both a bottom line standpoint on the business side but uh, you know sometimes the intangible if you don't uh, get a, a happy email written to you is the great time that a family had and it was the first time they ever came out because there was some bobblehead they really had to get and um, that's what minor league baseball is all about you know that's that's a new relationship, and certainly our job is to get their business back and to keep them on the fun train, if you will. You're not allowed to get off as long as we keep firing away with uh, unique promos. So I, I think the Bernadina certainly was uh, was maybe one of the first um, – was kind of the origin story uh, potentially for, for some really uber-creative stuff that uh, was to come in ensuing seasons. Well, so speaking of human-animal hybrid bobbleheads, which is a transition <laughs> I never thought I would use. Right. Um, so I, I you know, saw that you guys did the Bryce Harper gobblehead, the human, the, the half-human, half-turkey, I think is how you guys even were promoting it. And you have the Trey Turner Roadrunner this year. Uh, I was just wondering, what are the difficulties and the challenges in getting something like that manufactured? Because certainly there's no... Uh, vendors just sitting around saying oh we have a mold for a half human half turkey bobblehead for you to use like what's what's the process like 
Well, first of all, uh, if there was one the out there, idea. we would have found him. Uh, believe me, I would have tracked that guy down and got the best price. But uh, now we have great partners at Success Promotions, and uh, they're a family-owned outfit that uh, has been around for many years. And again, that uh, initial relationship was was started by Josh Olerud, and uh, we we've just kept uh, you know running the football forward. And um, they've got a great staff over there, and uh, they really get challenged by us to come up with new stuff. And when we're describing these items. Sometimes you can't even send a photo, you know, because it doesn't exist. I, I couldn't send a photo of a gobblehead. It was something that we had to uh, explain through words and, you know, pick some uh, conceptual artwork and go from there. But, um, you know, th- they don't get enough credit for, for the work that they do. I say they as in, you know, some of these promotional companies that uh, are responsible for bringing these ideas to life. Because a lot of times it, it starts kind of bare bones and it takes, you know, these companies' diligence and their own creativity to really vest the idea and, uh, you know, put it in a position to be marketable. And, you know, you always have concerns that the idea is too crazy or what if people don't like it. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's the gamble. There's no, there's no sure thing. If there was a sure thing, we'd do that. And I think there's a lot of GMs around that, uh, you know, are searching for that magic bullet. And a lot of times, you know, look to your staff and look within your own creativity. That's where the secret sauce is. And, um, even my sponsor, you know, he was like, are you sure? And I said, I'm sure. Trust me. And, you know, I don't think I know everything, but, uh, I think we were right on the gobblehead. We got us national media exposure. Um, it ended up, uh, on multiple platforms and forgive me, but, you know, and again, I know this sounds kind of cocky, but we've received so much media attention at the national and, and uh, regional level, you know, let's say a Masson, that it's hard to remember who covered what. You know, the Ode to Tommy John surgery statue was amazing last year. That blew up on Sports Center. It was in Sports Illustrated. You know, my dad calls me and he's reading his SI. I mean, he's been getting SI uh, not quite since it first came out. He's not that old, but, you know, he, he uh, lights up and, and says, I can't believe you guys made it to SI. And, um, I'd like to say I can't believe it, but you know we expect to push the envelope. And if the the media wants to cover us for these things, that's what it's all about. It certainly has a, an indirect impact on just the allure and you know almost the mythology of the night and, and putting these things together and uh, getting people really excited in the vein of promoting your promotions, um, as as we've talked about. But um, yeah, that was a wild one, and I think they did a really unique job with it. It was colorful. Um, you know the. Uh, the legs were a little skinny and I know there were some cracking issues on a couple of them, but again, you know, for the most part, we've, we've always had a, a really solid product. And when you do some more Nate stuff, there's always the chance that there's going to be a couple damaged, uh, you know, cause these come from, from overseas mostly. And there's a lot of logistics and coordination with, uh, picking them up at the docks and getting them through customs and getting them delivered on time. You know, many GMs have stories about, uh, having to issue vouchers if something doesn't show up, but we have just such a great relationship with Success promotions, and um, you know, there's been other companies that have challenged uh, success and, and us for our business. And you know, we're not interested in going anywhere else because we get such a high quality product. And it's the trust that when we come up with an idea, uh, they're really going to deliver. And if we don't like it, we're not going to do it. I don't think you'll see any mistakes uh, come through, uh, come through the goalie. We we hope that they won't, uh, because everything that we've gotten, uh, you know, brought to finalization has been uh, a really solid, unique product. And uh, I thought the Bryce Harper gobblehead was uh, was no different. And we tied that into a theme night. We called it Fitzgiving. We are Fitzner Stadium, the Fitz. So I mean, that had to be the first time in professional sports you could come out, have a full turkey dinner with all the all the trimmings and cranberry sauce, my favorite, and then. And stare at a uh, 
uh, a baby-faced gobblehead. I mean, it's it's certainly uh, e- even in retrospect, it's a pretty wild idea. But uh, uh, it was a hell of a promotion, and, and we stand by it to this day. <laughs> well, appreciate. Yeah, it. of course you should. <laughs> it was great. Um, well, you mentioned a little bit about um, getting sponsors on board. I was curious: is it harder to get a sponsor on board for a? Go- a- a gobblehead or a roadrunner bobblehead or, you know, some of these more crazy ideas or do they, well, do they is it actually easier because it's Coles something Parkway that is Ford, so unique? Woodbridge, Virginia, he's the same guy, Don Hopper, that's done the uh, Bryce Harper gobblehead and, and also the, ironically, the Trey Turner roadrunner concept this year. But, you know, yes, generally when you when you have a new partner, uh, there has to be that trust. And I think we've built that trust equity over many years of doing things that either haven't been done or just frankly taking uh, something to the next level, you know, and again, I try to dish out a, a lot of uh, respect as well from some of the teams that do it uh, at a high level. I, I think the the Fresno team, the, the Fresno Grizzlies does an outstanding job with their bobbleheads. Um, I know Billy, the, the PR man for the Brooklyn Cyclones, every year they come out with awesome stuff. You know, uh, we try to challenge their Seinfeld crown with halfway to Festivus night a couple years ago, but Billy and his team do it best. You know, that's the, the home turf, if you will, for uh, Seinfeldism. But we try to hold, you know, um, we try to hold a candle to some of these uh, other clubs that may have a few more resources than we do. But at the end of the day, you know, from a bobblehead perspective, um, we certainly feel like we, we run at the top and we run with the best. And uh, anytime somebody does something that I go, that is great. I'm writing it down. You know, even um, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was a Carlos Martinez bobblehead that caught my eye the other day, and they did a release with four different hair colors. Um, I don't know if that was um, was that Memphis. I don't know. Who, whoever's doing that, uh, that that's a certainly uh, that's certainly a really cool idea, and that's something that I could see. You know, our club piggybacking and you know, kind of doing a limited release within the giveaway itself. But again, you know, getting that sponsor on board, uh, there has to be the trust. And, and I think because we've built that and because we can point to nights that have just been, as I would say, a big banger night with just uh, a ton of people and a great atmosphere, you know, for our Goonies night, say what you want about Corey Feldman. And I know he's going through, uh, uh, I guess just a heck of a life is, is the uh, easiest way to put that for Corey. But he came out a couple years ago for our Goonies, uh, celebration and it was just awesome you know we did a one-eyed willie bobblehead he's there to sign autographs um last year we did mighty ducks with matt doherty and if anyone's listening out there that has the power to book celebs matt doherty is the man uh he was just terrific he did everything that we asked him to do and he wanted to pull tarp and we didn't let him from a liability standpoint but he, he was just uh so over the top in a great way so professional he added to our mighty ducks uh uh, Averman bobblehead night perfectly. That was a great compliment. And this year we're expecting the same thing with uh, Chauncey Leopardi. What, uh, so what percentage of your home games have some type of theme or giveaway? Let's put it this way. Every Saturday there's going to be a giveaway. So that's 11 games right there. Uh, we typically do at least four giveaways on Sundays, many of which are going to be kids only. So that puts us up to 15 and then we also have select giveaways on premium Fridays as well. So I would say, you know, somewhere between that uh, 17 and 18 mark. And, you know, it wouldn't be unlike us to get to 20, especially with a couple of community relations partnerships we have. For example, we did a uh, biodegradable bag for Earth Day the other day with the Prince William County Recycling Program. 
you know, so that's a, a really cool tie-in to do something that directly affects a theme night. So you could essentially get up to 20, especially with some of uh, minor league baseball's CR initiatives uh, where we'll be giving away, you know, an Ed Randall keychain every year, you know, bat for the cure and, and other, you know, really good causes that uh, it's easy for us to slot that stuff in. And frankly, that's something that uh, we're always looking for more of opportunities to, you know, pay credence towards uh, the fight against the disease or, you know, we have a great uh, partnership locally uh, with a nonprofit organization that brings out folks that struggle with homelessness uh, for a big night at the ballpark we've been doing for seven years. So, you know, even through the conduit of community relations, uh, there's always a couple extra, you know, what you could put in quotes maybe, but uh, de facto giveaway dates as well. And when you look at the, you know, daily promotional schedule, Monday through Sunday, from dollar dogs on uh, Mondays and dollar tickets all the way to kids day on Sunday. Uh, there's just something for the full demographic at the ballpark, uh, whether it's a giveaway or otherwise. Yeah, is it just, is it difficult for the staff there to keep up with, you know, what night is what and how to, you know, execute every, every one of them? Like what's, what's that like? There's really only three rules outside of your game day responsibilities. First of all, everybody is a salesperson. Second of all, we got to know exactly what we're doing in the immediate homestand, including the game that we're working. And then rule number three is always know what's next. And that's something that we preach uh, very often, you know, every week in our in our weekly meeting at the beginning of the work week. And then certainly at the beginning of every game day, you know, you really have to know it like the back of your hand because fans are going to have questions. We get calls, promote your promotions. You know, what are we building out? As far as our homestand preview and social media drops, you know, the integration of social media has certainly changed the game. And I think me being kind of an old school, low tech guy in general, as we talked about, uh, you know, off the air, if you will, um, you just have to stay ahead of the curve and, and you have to say, are there new ways to reach people that we're not utilizing? Uh, we'll, we'll also blend traditional marketing as well. We have a longstanding relationship with the Washington Post and I know papers get treated kind of like dinosaurs, but you just have to be able to, uh, you know, try and hit all the notes from guerrilla marketing to, you know, a, a marketing table trade out for us to be somewhere in the community talking about the Potomac Nationals. Any community appearance is gold, whether it be our mascot, whether it be our players. Um, we also try to do a lot of career days. So there, there's plenty of ways to market. But uh, yeah, it is it is certainly a, a task in and of itself to know, you know, and, and to know intelligently and to be able to speak intelligently about the promotional schedule. And that's why if it's the first day of an intern, the first thing they do is they learn what we got going on on the promo side so that when they get questions and in case they have ideas to supplement what we're already uh, planning on doing, you know, it certainly is a, a family process. You know, everybody in the front office, I don't want to say all the way down to the interns because, again, interns are integral to everything we do. We treat our interns like, you know, we would a, a full-time staff member. You know, good ideas, uh, you know, can't, can't discriminate. If it's a great idea, I don't care if it comes from our groundskeeper. You know, a lot of GMs have said that over the years to me. We invite our groundskeeper into the promo uh, meeting. He's welcome anytime. He's a great guy that has some good ideas, and uh, we actually used one of them this year. So it's it's tangible. But, uh, yeah, you got to know what's going on in the promo side, and that helps you, uh, you know, kind of bubble up your own creativity as well. You know, every front office is different, but uh, we're a tight-knit group, and uh, if it's a great idea, we're going to run with it. And as we tell the interns, it might be an awesome idea, but is it scalable and can you sell it? You know, just because it's a great idea, we might need sponsorship dollars to pull it off, you know, especially in A-ball 
uh, with our with our resources, both human and and stadium facility. So, and certainly budgets as well on the marketing side. But uh, but yeah, that's critical. You got to know what's uh, right in front of you, and you got to know what's uh, coming up. You know, the next homestand. So, w- uh, which idea was the groundskeeper's idea? The groundskeeper's idea was to uh, was to get our Virginia Tech Hokies night uh, put together, and I think eventually we'll probably have to bring out a Beamer. Or, you know, a Mike Vick or, I don't know, maybe not a Marcus Vick, but certainly somebody from uh, from VTech. But, you know, we do the same thing with George Mason. We do a Patriot Pride Night where the kids can come out. They get a discounted ticket. You know, it's it's time. So it's right before they go back to school at the end of August or early September, whatever it is. But, um, again, great ideas can really come from anywhere. And um, a lot of my friends, frankly, both in and outside of, of minor league baseball, are a great resource to say – you know, well, what about this night? What do you got? You know, whether it's over, uh, you know, adult soda pops or not, I love to certainly get uh, ideas from a, a wide demographic myself. And I'm really excited for the Sandlot night. I think you're going to see that night, you know, peppered across minor league baseball, but uh, we're really going to stand out for some of the accoutrement, if you will, that we're doing as peripheral to just the squints appearance with Chauncey Leopardi. Uh, the bobblehead and just, you know, some of the other things that um, uh, that we're allowed to do with our partnership on on with the rights holder on this one. But um, I, we got a couple other things up our sleeve that uh, should separate us. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You said uh, the ideas have to be able to be scalable and actually plausible. Have you have you guys had any ideas that you've had to scrap just because you're like, all right, this is a great idea, but there's no like physical way we could actually do this all the time. All the time. I mean, we, like we would need we would need hours uh, to, to go <laughs> over everything that's on the cutting room floor. I'm not even going to single something out because you know what? I might repackage it. It might be yeah. something that uh, that's going to grow legs. And look, you know, just because it's an idea doesn't make it bad, okay, good. You know, we have to put it through our own vetting process, and uh, we have a war room. And as I said, you know, whether it gets heated, whether it's uh, you know, all good spirits, you know, sometimes you need to, you know, banter back and forth, uh, literally and figuratively, or maybe passively some days where one of my staff members might send an email instead of going across the table to, to let somebody know what they think. But, you know, we, we discuss things uh, vehemently. We discuss things with a lot of respect to the process. And uh, oftentimes we'll leave stuff because it's just not marketable enough or it's only funny to me, <laughs> not me personally, <laughs> but whoever's coming up with the idea. Um, you know, all right, I'll give you one, you know, the, the Wilmer Defoe flat bill cap, uh, bobblehead w- was something I came up with a couple of years ago and everybody in my office hates it. They go, nobody but you knows that Wilmer Defoe barely bends his cap. And I think when he's in the big leagues, maybe he does bend it these days, but when he was with us every day, I'd say, Hey, w- what's going on Wilmer? And he'd have this straight, you know, straight across cap. So that was something that, uh, I thought was cute. Nobody else did. And, uh, you know, not all the time do we go to majority vote, but uh, in that case, we scrapped it. And uh, I think it'll stay in the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let me ask. I have I went through your on your website, the list of your promotional nights for this season. And I just have like some rapid fire questions. There's some things I need explained to me, <laughs> you know, okay, which I think is, which, yeah, which I think is just. You should. I hope you take it as an honor that I I want to go sure. through and just ask what you know. What were you thinking? Basically, is what is what I want to know, but in a good way. I don't mean it to be insulting. Well, I will say um, as much as I can say. How about that deal? Yeah, yeah. So, 
All right, so you do, you guys do a lot of TV and movie theme nights, right? And so I was wondering, you know, does that really move the needle? Do people really want to come out because it's, you know, a Grease theme night or something like that? Is, we'll find out, won't you, we? We'll, we'll find out. Have I mean, you guys done any in the past? You guys have done movie nights in the past, right? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Goonies briefly. You know, Goonies yeah. was a great litmus test. Uh, they they really came out deep for that one. You know, Goonies was great. Uh, we're doing Coneheads this year, which may be one of the more, you know, kind of uh, oddball nights that people are like, huh, that's strange. But, you know, we've done uh, Back to the Future a couple different times and had the actual – uh, the, you know, the vehicle from the movie out there in front of the ticket office. You know, we got the little makeshift flex capacitor in there inside the DeLorean. I got some guy that, uh, looks like he got shot out of a cannon that, uh, you know, is, is an uncanny likeness to Doc Brown. You know, so yeah, we have a lot of fun <laughs> with, uh, with movie nights. And, you know, again, maybe you don't like that movie and, and I get that, but maybe if uh, you don't like the movie that night, We've still got a Victor Robles, or maybe we have a Major League Rehab, you know, which typically, uh, you know, falls during the week for whatever reason. You know, uh, when these guys get hurt at the big league level, we're right down the road. Maybe it's a daily promotion that's getting them excited, but, uh, you know, and so on and so on. But I, I love the movie nights. I think, uh, they can certainly be a little oversaturated, I think, even in our own promotional schedule. But the difference is what you're actually doing on that night. And again, um, at the risk of sounding, you know, a little bombastic, I think that's what separates us is because if you look at the sample last year of our George Costanza night, that's what I'm talking about. Th those items, you know, had not been done before in minor league baseball, even with respect to Brooklyn, to my knowledge. Maybe a couple of them have been done, but not in that order, not, you know, uh, put together in that manner and, and not scaled that way. And, you know, that was a non-prime uh, non night during the week and, and we tried it out. And it seemed to work like gangbusters, so we're going to try the Cosmo Kramer concept this year. And I guarantee for diehard Seinfeld fans, I'm one of them, uh, you will not be disappointed. And I think uh, based off last year's uh, you know, limited pre-promotional effort, it was kind of an afterthought. We're going to put a little bit more thought into it this year, try to scale it a little bit bigger. And um, I think, again, the diehard Seinfeld fans are going to love it. But, yeah, nods to TV and, and motion pictures are great because there's so much source material to go off of. Now, you know, I don't want to get away from things that have never been done before. For example, some, you know, nods to other teams, the trading card set that's tied to local military heroes. That's awesome. Uh, you know, that's something that had not been done before. And then four years ago, they're, they're popping up all over the place. Olerud's idea about the mystery bobblehead night was, was fantastic. You're starting to see those everywhere. You know, and again, we'll jump on that train every once in a while, but we try to do things that have never been done, i.e. the salute to Jorts night the other evening with the player walk-ins that mimicked NBA on NBC with the commentary. Then it gets on MLB Network. You know, that's the type of stuff that is credibility building. And it's also, you know, it, it's uh, a see-through for us that these things aren't just funny to us. Uh, they really can, you know, appeal to a wider audience. Yes, I, one of my questions was about the Cosmo Kramer night. As a diehard Seinfeld fan myself, I was wondering like you, no blowback on that for, you know, highlighting with Michael Richards with his outburst a few years ago. Is, is everyone cool with that now? I'll tell you, you know, we, we could talk all day and we could debate things all day. I, I try to stay away from, you know, political issues as much as possible in, in professional and private life. There's going to be something that you can pick apart 
with everybody's promo schedule that you don't like or that you don't think is filled with morality. You know, for example, we're bringing in Jerry the King Lawler. I'm well versed on the things that have happened in Jerry's life. We're bringing him in to celebrate what's happened inside the ring. Um, we're bringing in Conseco this year, not to celebrate steroid use in baseball, but to tip our cap to a guy that regardless of his standing as, you know, whatever you want to call him, whatever moniker you want to throw out there tied to steroids, we're bringing him in because he's a character, because he's somebody that people know and that they're going to want to come meet. And not to turn this into a circus, but at the same time, you know, you have to do things differently than just the standard mold or you're going to get the standard repeatable expected results. And I, I'm fully prepared, especially with a public relations background. I've got a good PR guy in Mike Weissman that is very diligent in kind of, you know, checking and balancing some of the things that we put together and the wording that we, we use on certain things. And, you know, we try to never over promise, but I get it. There's always going to be somebody that says, well, you know, Michael Richards had an incident years ago. Why would you put, you know, the spotlight on that? We're not focused on that. We're talking about the fictional character that he played on one of the most popular television shows in the history of America. So when you when you put it in in that light, and when you think about you know what we're really uh, putting credence towards, I'll, I'll bring you one more: the Titanic commemorative day that we did in 2012, where we gave away an iceberg. We had an ice company come by and drop <laughs> off this humongous ice pile. And the winner goes, well, what the heck am I supposed to do with this? And we said, I don't know, but you want it. So you can let it melt or you can put it in your car and take it away. We weren't celebrating that the Titanic went down. We were tipping the cap to 100 years. I think it was 100 years, right? 1912. Um, 100 years since that bad boy went into the water. So, again, you can phrase things however you want. And that's what's great. Everybody gets their opinion. This is still America. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we try to be as respectful and frame things as professionally as possible. And it's it's kind of like the Howard Stern outlook. You may not like the man, but uh, he's renowned. And if you don't like it, change the channel. If you don't like it, I understand you're not going to come that night. But I guarantee you there's going to be something when you look at the full menu of uh, promotional excellence, something's going to catch your eye. And, and even if it's Greece with Didi Khan, you know, which may play to a different demographic, I'm not – uh, you know, the most excited to, to meet Didi Khan compared to some of the other celebrities, but I am excited to see what Didi Khan is going to do, uh, to the Potomac Nationals fan base on Grease Night. I heard she was awesome in Frisco. And, you know, again, no disrespect to Didi Khan. I can't wait to meet her. And I think she's going to be a, a wonderful compliment to that promotional night. But I just point that out to say that everyone has different interests. I may be most excited to meet Squints from Sandlot. Somebody else might say, Didi Khan, I'm going to be there. I wouldn't miss this for the world. And that's the whole point. You really have to apply to a, a wide girth and, and try to catch as many fish as you can. Yeah, so you guys, I'm sure, are seeing a lot of people come out to the ballpark who may have never watched a single baseball game in their in their life, right? And then you're hoping to convert them into Potomac Nationals fans, right? Absolutely. And and that client retention is what it's all about. And And I try not to speak in business-like nomenclature when we talk about fans. I just want you to come out and have a great time. And if we swung and missed on something or we check swung on something, you know, my door is open as I, I tell our booster club and some of our, our longest-term fans and then even the new fans. And we, we have kind of an inside joke that's, I guess, not inside anymore. But when someone comes in and says, where is the bathroom, we go, yes, with a, pimp, with a uh, fist pump. 
And the reason for that is because that's probably a new fan. They've never been out before. They don't know where the bathroom is or where is fan assistance or how do I find my seats? Those are questions that a first time visitor will ask. And I can't speak to anybody else's, you know, minor league baseball facility, but we get excited to hear those type of questions because it means we acquired a new fan, which is the whole point. It's why we show up to work every day. You know, it's a Ty Cobb quote, I believe, but the fans make the ball game. And even though you're never going to bat a thousand with your fan base, no matter if you're, you know, uh, Mike Rizzo or Dan Duquette, just to talk about our regional major league clubs or Brian Holland or an Aaron Johnson or any of the other GMs in the league, you aim to please and the things we can control outside of not being able to control weather is our promotions and our hospitality and our willingness to extend free smiles. And I tell our interns that and our game day folks that as well. Smiles are free. Uh, let's give out as many as we can tonight and let's, let's make somebody, whether they've been here or whether they haven't been here before, have a really fun experience and want to come back. And that's what it's all about. So tell me, what in the world is the ode to the potato night? And what is a Michael A. Tater potato bobblehead? Like what? Sure. I am just so, I'm so fascinated by this on so many levels. I have to know more. You know, this is what they said about the ode to Tommy John surgery too. And people started to, to freak out and say that we were, you know, uh, potentially providing a jinx. Now it was an ode. It's an ode. And I'm only allowed one ode now. My, my colleagues told me in the front office, we can't have more than, uh, than one ode just because it's too redundant. So this was our one ode to the potato. I think we can uh, do a lot with the potato with regards to our food and beverage op uh, operation and our offerings on that night. Um, you know, you could do a potato <laughs> stew. You could do different types of fries. Um, I mean, I'll even have an intern out there peeling potatoes, a whole sack of them for the entirety of the game if that's going to make somebody laugh. Uh, there's a lot of source material to use that phrase again with the potato. And of course, the, the bobblehead is, is a tie to, uh, somebody who was very friendly with me during, you know, my, uh, my climb and the climb continues in minor league baseball and Michael Taylor. Michael Taylor is one of the easiest players and people to root for. Um, I got really friendly with his late father, uh, Anthony. And I think it's great that Michael has, uh, you know, included the Michael A notation, Taylor in the big leagues, he and his dad were really close and, you know, his dad followed him uh, vehemently in the minors. And it was always fun to, to talk about Mike's progression and uh, the postseason that Michael Taylor had last year was historic. It was special. Um, a lot of us knew it was eventually going to come. You know, he's a guy that works incredibly hard and, and really treats the fans with uh, a ton of respect. So it was our pleasure to do a nod, an ode to, you know, the whole Michael A. Tater home run uh, nickname that he established, you know, from the Nats fan base. And I think as the Nats fan base gets deeper roots and, and continues to wrap their arm around the Nationals Park entertainment product and the on-field product, you know, specifically and most importantly, um, it, it's just going to be great because those fans that are going to Nats Park, many of them are going to come see us at Fitzner Stadium in Woodbridge. And, um, you know, we always say the bridge is as tangible as it could possibly be due to our, you know, geographic proximity to where the big league uh, team plays. And, and a lot of our promotions certainly pay respect, uh, especially to the homegrown guys like a Victor Robles this year with that bobblehead of him going over the wall, the Rob job, and, you know, this Michael A. Tater statue. It's it's basically a mock Mr. Potato Head, and uh, it's going to have some removable parts as well. And it's going to be very similar to the Ode to Tommy John surgery statue. And, you know, that one ended up on SI. I, I just want a good night. If the media, 
decides to cover it, that is awesome. And that's what it's all about. But at the end of the day, we just want to put together a great ode to the potato night with the uh, Michael A. Tater statue. And I, I know some fans are going to be coming just for that game because it's such a goofy giveaway that, again, if it's been done, then shame on me. But I, I can't find it. So I think it'll be a one of a kind. Yeah. Maybe there's a Mr. Potato Head theme or giveaway, but I don't know if anyone's done a whole night as an ode to the potato. I'm pretty sure you're going to be uh, you're going to be on your own there in a good way. Yep, and we got um, work to do. We'll announce the details as we get closer. You know, we'll do kind of the the headliner concept, and then as we get close is is when we really start to refine to our conversation about looking ahead and knowing what's next on the the promo schedule. You know, that's that's our job to make that night as uh, you know robust as possible with respect, uh, literally and figuratively, to the potato. So, no, it should be fun. So, um, I came across the, when I'm researching for this, for this episode, I came across the ode to the Tommy John, um, statue and I legit laughed to myself for about four or five minutes. I, I'd, I'd never seen, Thanks. I'd never seen it. Um, tell me a little bit, how did you come up or, or whoever in your team came up with that idea and how did, and I saw you also, I thought it was great. You got, um, some, a medical sponsor associated with it as well. So just tell me a little bit about how how did that actually come about? Because I think it's the most genius idea for a, a giveaway I've ever heard. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, to be honest with you, the concept when it when it got legs and, and started to uh, to crawl, if you will, um, we didn't think it was going to be huge. We, we didn't think that that was going to be the most uh, covered giveaway item that we were going to do last year. And it was our media relations director, Mike Weissman, that had the initial idea which was kind of more of a, a cyborg elbow, you know, kind of something maybe more Terminator-esque. And, you know, we decided to go more, I guess you would say, anatomically correct with the finished version in unison and, and in cooperation with, again, our, our promotional geniuses in uh, success pr uh, promotions. You know, again, we can come up with the genius ideas in quotes. Maybe you don't think they're genius. Maybe you do. I hope you do. But they have to bring it to life. And, um, you know, going back and forth with them, I think we put together something that wasn't too gross, if you will, because you're, you're literally looking inside of an elbow at a ligament. You know, I think we did it with as much uh, professionalism, if you will, for lack of a better term, than, than uh, potentially we could have if we went a different direction. But, yeah, it was Mike's initial concept. We kept tweaking it as a staff, and, uh, you know, that was the finished product. And it just worked out great uh, that my, my good friends, uh, you know, Dr. Nagda, Dr. Sadler, over at uh, Anderson Orthopedic Clinic in Alexandria, they've been a long-term partner of the Washington Nationals as well. Uh, they were able to uh, co-op with us, and it just made for a perfect giveaway. And we had doctors from all over the country coming out of the woodwork saying, I know I can't make the game. I'll pay anything. You know, just send me one. <laughs> and we do a policy not to sell bobbleheads. You know, I know you can get them on third-party websites, you know, like eBay or whatever, but and I know they're out there in the uh, in the public's grasp. And, you know, when somebody says, what's an ode to Tommy John surgery statue worth or any of our stuff worth on the secondary market? The answer is simple. Whatever somebody's going to pay for it. So, you know, that means that they're in demand. It, again, it's kind of validity that it was a special idea and they are a limited run. We're talking, you know, um, only a little over a thousand in, in 1250 counts. So, you know, they do become immediately uh, collectible and coveted. And again, it just ties into the fun of it. And, and it's tough to get sometimes. You got to show up early and, you know, even just the education on letting people know that you really have to make a commitment uh, to, to getting these items, you know, it, they've, they've uh, 
really had kind of a cult following. And I don't mean that word in the negative sense as much as when you get one, maybe you get two, you say, well, you know, what do I got to do to kind of complete the set and, and make this an installation of my summer? And uh, that's what we want to do. You know, use the bobbleheads as uh, potentially a little bait to get you excited. But the overarching idea is that at Fitzner Stadium, it's a great minor league baseball entertainment product that you can bring the whole family to for a great price. You can have a heck of a lot of fun, and, and then you're going to be saying, when can we come back? It was it uh, was it your most popular giveaway or promotion? Probably not at the gates. Uh, uh, you know that if I thought about all the dates last year, you know the the Strasburg flamethrower was big. Um, you know the Harper gobblehead was big. That was just uh, Steven Strasburg holding an alien style flamethrower. You know, not flames okay. coming out of his hand, but actually kind of a Sigourney Weaver, uh, you know, flame spray canister essentially. So that that had never been done. I know Wilmington did something, uh, you know, pretty pretty neat years ago with the late, you know, Jordano Ventura. But um, yeah, again, just trying to be different and trying to do something that's never been done. Um, do you have to get like Strasburg's permission for that? Do you guys have to run it by these players, or does the MLB have a licensing agreement where you're you're able to just use it without having them sign off on it? I get this licensing question a lot, and because I'm not a lawyer, I'll, I'll keep this in as few words as possible. We have a great relationship uh, with the players that we do bobblehead likenesses of, and there's always a formal approval process that we go through. And I'll tell you how formal it was with Strasburg and with Turner. Uh, we had both of those gentlemen down on rehabilitation appearances last year, and straight from the horse's mouth, quite literally – um, and, and I say that, I guess, kind of coyly because we ended up putting Strasburg on a horse for Kentucky Derby Day, uh, which is coming up in, in a week and change now. Um, he said, my family loves the bobbleheads. Keep the crazy ideas coming. When we rolled the, uh, you know, the Kentucky Derby idea, he was on board. And, and there you go. Uh, we happen to have Trey Turner and Jason Worth uh, playing the same couple games at the end of the season last year. And it just so happened that that was the game in which we had a Jason Worth uh, slash Dan Colco from Masson dual bobblehead that we were giving away that night. So, I mean, Worth, you know, he's a character. Uh, we've had him down plenty of times, always treats our staff excellently. Uh, I don't know what his true feelings were on the Dan Colco uh, dual bobble, but as far as uh, Turner went, when we told him about the Roadrunner concept, he was uh, extremely excited about it, you know, gave us his blessing. And uh, we've had some family members of Trey uh, reach out, and we make it a point to order an extra box for these guys as well. So that's how we keep our, our positive relationship with these players. Um, I had a very uh, positive experience working with Bryce Harper uh, back in 2011 with the Hagerstown Suns. Um, I've given a lot of interviews over the years about you know how great of a person he was, despite a lot of outside animosity towards him for whatever reason. And I know Bryce carries himself a certain way, but again, was always so first class with the staff and with the fans. You know, I used to watch him sign for, you know, holding the bus up for 40 minutes, especially on his uh, first road trip back in 2011. So, you know, we always try when we have access to these guys um, to, to continue, you know, furthering that positive relationship. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that we're going to create from a licensing standpoint or from a personal standpoint, if it's using the likeness of a player that we don't get approval for or that we don't feel is in the best interest of our major league affiliate, uh, certainly our franchise 
and in the best interest of, you know, what the fans are going to be interested in. So, uh, we, we always operate in a professional manner. And, you know, I think maybe as more red tape starts to, uh, you know, perk up, maybe, you know, from promotional companies that are competing for business, um, the collective bargaining agreement, I'm not even sure if it covers stuff like this, but in short, when a minor league player appears in your uniform, you have the rights to that likeness. But from a professional standpoint, you should always get approval, uh, you know, from not only the, the employer that that person works for, but them specifically, if you can, you know, through the conduit of a, of a direct agent or some type of representative. And, uh, that's been our experience. And, you know, it's great that the players have so much fun with it. Just like the George Knight video, without our players, that thing doesn't end up going, uh, national. And, uh, the Washington Nationals farmhands have always done such a great job. Uh, and, and they're big league guys as well, uh, coming down, being first class pros and uh, really treating their farm system with respect. And we appreciate that. And, and we in turn uh, reciprocate that to them as well. Awesome. Um, well, I know you've given me a lot of your time, so I'll wrap it up here. I just want to know. You, you mentioned earlier that a lot of the major league teams are kind of taking a, you know, taking a page out of the minors playbook as far as their promotions and how teams are getting more and more creative on the big league level, you know, with Star Wars bobbleheads, Game of Thrones bobbleheads, all that kind of stuff. Um, so kind of a two-part question. One, you know, how do, how do you guys, you know, how are you going to approach trying to continue to be, you know, the, the, on the forefront when kind of everyone else is doing these crazy things as well? You know, how do you, how are you guys going to continue to push those, those boundaries and the second part of that do you think that's going to lead are we, we going to reach peak peak bobblehead craziness at one point you know to where people are going to be turned off or is it going to just continue continue to grow in popularity the crazier it gets yeah like to use a financial term i, I hope this isn't a bubble right like i hope at some point uh the bubble doesn't burst and we all go back and, and say what are we going to do now um again at the risk of somebody saying wow you know I don't know if this is true. I don't think many clubs, regardless of their human resources, marketing budget, stadium situation, level of minor league baseball, are currently competing with us. And that's with the the most due respect to the Lake Elsinore Storm, to the Fresno Grizzlies, to the Bowie Bay Sox, to the Brooklyn Cyclones, to the Frisco Rough Riders, to the Akron Rubber Ducks especially. Uh, I mean no disrespect to some of these other teams that I don't feel are making the same impact that we are while tipping the cap to the teams that I, that I think we're chasing and that we're competing with. But it's all friendly and, and, and professional as well. But at the end of the day, we're going to always juke and jive. We're always going to adapt or die and have that philosophy. I don't care what business it is. You know, if prices go up and you work at a lemonade stand and lemons are more expensive, uh, you know, maybe it's time for some limeade. You know, you're going to have to keep morphing and changing and staying ahead of the curve and everybody just has their own perspective. Nobody is 100% right. Nobody's probably 100% wrong. You know, you live in that gray area of uh, gambling on promotional concepts that we think are going to be scalable, that are going to work and impact the bottom line and, uh, you know, make a, a positive community relations and public relations and marketing impact. You're never going to bat a thousand, but uh, it's our job to keep finding new ways to get fans in the ballpark. So, you know, if everyone ends up doing the outside the box bobbleheads and we feel as though it's saturated and watered down, we're probably going to mix the game up. 
you know, I wanted to do a starting lineup this year. I know uh, one of the clubs that uh, ended up in Baseball America with us the other day um, is doing a Carlos Correa uh, starting lineup in SLU. I think that's awesome. I think we might want to do an SLU next year. Um, we can get more into figurines. Maybe we do less giveaways and, and do more special events. Um, th- there's a lot of exciting acts, you know, from an entertainment standpoint that you can bring in that, um, you know, are low maintenance on the organization and that really do a great job of driving traffic. And I'm not talking about just the Cowboy Monkey Rodeo that um, I think is oversaturated at this point. As much fun as we had with them, I, I think teams need to start, uh, you know, fading a little bit more of the traditional rhetoric. You can only do Jimmy Buffett night and 70s, 80s and 90s night so many times. We're doing a 90s night on a Thursday because we haven't done it before, at least since we've been here. So, you know, you try to even challenge yourself and not fall into the trap. But nobody has this figured out. You know, everybody's reaching for for straws in some regard saying, you know, how are we going to get great weather on this date? How is it all going to line up? It's essentially organized chaos. But at the end of the day, if you have a great promotional concept that you really pour yourself into, it's it's eventually going to render success even if you get rain on that day. It's going to help you bring people out to the ballpark, and it's going to put your ball club um, and, frankly, the creativity of, of the staff, of the front office people that come up with these ideas. You know, I'm surprised that more minor league executives aren't plucked for big league roles simply because of their ability to move mountains in uh, difficult situations in the minors. I, I think the major leagues in all sports needs to wake up to the amazing creativity and the and the overall success levels that some of these minor league executives, whether they're GMs or CR directors or marketing directors or promotions managers, have conjured in their time in minor league baseball. And you started off talking about hats. You know, it's it's a lot of hats that you have to wear to get to the finish line of uh, the 70-game season, or if you're a broadcaster, 140 games, maybe more in the playoffs. But, um, you know, promotions in general are going to stay the lifeblood of minor league baseball outside of the baseball. If we're not talking about weather – we're not talking about the on-field product. We better be talking about promotions uh, because that's how you're truly going to stay ahead of the competition, whether that's your geographic competition or just the more informal, you know, healthy competition among other minor league clubs. And I'd be remiss if I didn't put the Potomac Nationals right up there with some of these other teams, many of which uh, have far superior resources than we do. Um, you know, we certainly do feel like the little guy sometimes in a, in a very – diversified and talented uh, landscape, but we're going to keep pushing the envelope and we're going to keep doing things that we hope make us successful. And if they get uh, noticed and, and they get, uh, you know, caps tipping, then that's great. Uh, but that's, you know, ultimately not why we do it. We do it for our fans. And uh, let's not forget this is a business. We do it for the bottom line as well. And uh, the other piece of that is community relations and the appreciation and what we have to do as a beacon of goodwill, you know, for the Northern Virginia region, because it's not just Prince William County, not just Woodbridge, Virginia, you know, where our ball club is located. Um, we, we really do a great service to the Northern Virginia region as a whole. And that's why we've been around for 41 years. And, uh, you know, let's do another 41. That's, that's the plan. I think the last piece of, of your, uh, to your question is keeping a talented nucleus together. And in a volatile, you know, industry where there's a lot of movement, um, across the board, it's, it's sometimes really tough to keep that brain trust together. But, um, I've got some excellent colleagues in Potomac and, uh, I just really hope the fans enjoy what we've put together this year and what we're already internally planning for 2019. And, uh, for the people that don't like it, I, I hope we can win you over one day. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening, and thank you to Brian for talking with me. Follow the Potomac Nationals on Twitter at the handle at PNATS42 to keep up with our latest promotional giveaway masterpieces. You can follow me on Twitter at Chad J. Shanks, and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss the next sports-ish episode. Well, I'm done. That's it. We'll see you next time.